Go Team Venture. Welcome to Go Team Venture. I'm your host, Justin Blomquist, and this is the show where once a week we go through another episode of The Venture Brothers. Each week I have a guest on the show to discuss the episodes in full, and today I am so excited to have today's guest. He is a Simpsons trivia whiz, a former co-worker of mine, and an all-around nice guy. Please welcome to the show, Sam Petkus. Hiya, Sam. Hooray! Thanks for having me, man. Did I say the last name right? You said it in the way that all folks do say it. I mean, if you really want to be all Lithuanian about it, it's just as it looks, pet cuss. But for pet some cuss. reason, that's like like kiss is how everybody says it, despite there being no eyes in the name. <laughs> um, it's just a classic uh, American, we just pronounce things however. And I, n- I never correct people, dude. It's not a big deal. That's kind of how my name became Blomquist. In Sweden, it's Blomquist, but uh, with the single mm. O, everyone started saying Blomquist. And then a lot of Bloomquists have since added an extra O to their names so people say it properly. My family's just like, no, 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 we're Blomquists now. Fine, we don't care. <laughs> <laughs> ah, interesting. Okay, yeah, I, I had no idea. Okay. I usually ask uh, if my guests if they have any previous experiences with the Venture Brothers. Was this your first time watching or had you seen an episode previous to this or even heard of the show? I mean, I, all right. So it's pretty hilarious, like... Um, that I'm doing this because I've had multiple people tell insist that this is in fact a show that I was supposed to have been watching and <laughs> been quite quite angry with me for not have watching it. I don't know. I just I got no reason why. It was always kind of on my radar and people were like, oh my God, it's like you have to watch the Venture Brothers, right? So now I'm like on a podcast about it. So long story short, I've seen bits and pieces of a couple episodes, but man, I got nothing. I I know nothing about the Venture Brothers. That's okay. A lot of my guests don't, and they always have questions. So if, as we're going through, if you're like, now, I had a question about that. Feel free to interrupt me and just stop me and say, now, explain this, because I really don't know. And that's kind right. of one of those, too, is I get to introduce you to it. And hey, by the end, you might say, well, you know what? Now I want to watch. So we'll see how it goes, you know? Well, it's all on you, Justin. The responsibility <laughs> of whether or not I watch Venture Brothers is entirely on you. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> I usually will ask, too, if you could maybe uh, try to give like a two to three sentence. Here's what's happening this week, like a TV guide, kind of like, this is what's happening this week on The Venture Brothers, if you can. In this week's episode of Venture Brothers, we do what seems like kind of like a clip show uh, episode of talking about how the monarch became the monarch and broke out of being a henchman for, um, what's, his, what's his face? Phantom Limb. That's his name. I remember things. Yeah. And even that is like a great synopsis. Like, that's just perfect because that's basically what happens the, the imdb plot is just as simple it says the truths <laughs> and half truths about dr girlfriend's former arch nemeses are finally revealed it, it's super vague but yeah like essentially uh, we're just kind of discovering that uh the monarch and dr girlfriend are on trial uh, we don't really know why at first but we come to understand it's because crucible justin crucible. oh yes it's a crucible, <laughs> uh, crucible. it sounds uh, way cooler <laughs> Yeah, this is the, I think this is the first time we've met the Council of Thirteen. They they come back, and we actually get to learn a lot of who they are in later seasons. But oh, for, so this, this is the first episode of them? Because honestly, that's where a lot of my questions come in. I'm just like, I don't, I have no fucking clue. Like, is this a recurring character? Is this a normally thing? Is this a normal thing? Oh, you sure. Know, like, is this is this a running gag? I'm like, it's a running gag for seasons that we don't know who they are. That they're just uh, shadows in the uh, TV. But uh, in oh god, the big okay. book here. Uh, go team. Ooh, look at that. Look at this uh, guy with this big book. It gives me a lot of help in my research. Uh, I, I will pull up the page that explains who all of those people are. When we get to that scene, I can kind of read through the list quickly. The Guild of Calamitous Intent. That's, mm. uh, that's a fantastic name. But yeah, the, so the episode opens with the monarch and Dr. Girlfriend fighting against these guild robots, uh, the Diamond Dogs, as they're known after the David Bowie song. There's always a Bowie reference in these things. And uh, I love that she, her pill ho- pillbox hat is a weapon like Captain America's shield that she can throw it, smash something, and it comes back to her automatically. We had not seen that before. I love that little detail. Wasn't well, that kind of like a James Bond reference? In, like, a, what's his name? Odd Job from like way back in the that. day. He had the yes. hat. It was, they had like a razor blade in it or something, I think. Yeah, it was like a razor or at least it had like a metal, yeah, like weight in it. Cause I don't it, I don't remember if it did the return thing, like Cap, the Cap Shield or, uh, you know, Thor's Hammer. I'm not going to pretend I can pronounce that right. No, I, if I recall. Mjolnir? 
Yeah, I, I think uh, Ajab had to go pick his hat back up. <laughs> oh, wow. Worst henchman ever. Lame. Love an old James Bond. I think that was my first James Bond was Goldfinger. I think that's the one most kids are introduced to. Man, honestly, I think the, um, I'm probably the first, the only, I've barely watched any Bond movies, to be honest. Like, I think I, uh, it might have been Goldeneye. You know, like, the, um, might have been my first James Bond movie. I think I even saw it in the theaters back in the day. I didn't get a chance to see it in theaters, but that was the first one I saw, like, of, like, the modern ones. Like, my dad had shown me Goldeneye, like, or Goldfinger, okay. maybe, like, the year before. But that video game was the best. That yeah, I was, I was going to say, like, it's hard for people of our generation, our age, you know, we can leave those numbers blank. That's fine. But um, it's, like, <laughs> hard, it's hard to, like, make a mention of Odd Job without immediately thinking of Goldeneye. It's okay, like, guys, oh, man, like, no Odd Job. No, no one job. can pick Odd Job. <laughs> that was, like, the universal house rule of Goldeneye across the board. Just like, uh, anyone who picked Odd Jobs, bullshit. Can't do that. So I remember I tried to revisit playing Goldeneye and it didn't, I feel like, oh my God, I don't think I can play this anymore. Like it was just, I'd played enough like more modern shooters where I was like, oh my God, this is insane. Like I remember like you have to move around using like the yellow quote unquote yeah, just, pad, just the strafe. C buttons. Yeah. Like, just... oh my God, it was nuts. Yeah. I tried going back and playing some other game recently and like, I was like, oh, I can't do this anymore. The controls are just too fucking weird. Plus, it's like, you know, the Octopus N64 controller. It's like, what creature is this designed for with the three sticks? Yeah. Like, I, that was always so weird. You almost never uh, had to use that little pad on the left. I don't know why they just didn't have no. it be a joystick. Exactly. It's like, oh, I just have that for my tentacle. You're like, what? No. <laughs> we passed that opening scene of them fighting. We get right. a cool new opening sequence uh, for the credits this time, where it's now focused on Dr. Girlfriend and the Monarch. Uh, they had done oh. this... Previously, in season two's opening, uh, in season one ending, uh, Hank and Dean, the actual Venture Brothers, died. And so in the season two opening, it was their father and his twin brother as like, the, were like supposed to be now be the new Venture Brothers. And they did okay. a whole new opening animated sequence for that. They're kind of just doing that again this season, but now it's the Monarch and Dr. Girlfriend because this episode is all about them. So that's funny. Already, I'm like, oh, so this is the theme song. Well, the, the music didn't change, but <laughs> the opening credits are completely different. So this is the credits. Yeah, that would have been more accurate. Yeah, no clue oh, that yeah. was different. But yeah, uh, like when they flash, like the faces coming towards the screen, it's Monarch, Dr. Girlfriend, and two of the henchmen, 21 and 24. Usually it's uh, Rusty Venture, Brock Sampson, Hank, and Dean that do that flash. But of course, you don't know those characters because you've never seen yeah. the show. <laughs> I, was, I was aware of Brock Samson. That was one of the characters people were freaking out about. That Well, people. There were a couple people in particular that were just obsessed with Brock Samson. And I saw him in this episode, but he wasn't in it. So I was a little bummed out about that. So yeah, that he, might be enough to make me come back. Just that he, alone. He doesn't even speak. Uh, they talk about in the, no. in the book. how <laughs> saw this his arm. Episode, yeah, this episode is entirely voiced by... Uh, the two writers. I didn't even say this episode's written. I know I didn't say the name of the episode. We're doing Shadow Man 9 in the Cradle of Destiny, the season three opener, uh, written by Jackson Public and Doc Hammer. They also do all of the voices, except for one of the councilmen they said is done by James Urbaniak, who is usually the voice of Dr. Venture. But otherwise, it's mm. the two of them doing every voice in this episode, which is kind of cool. So that's unique. That's not like typical that it would have like, the, the two writers doing all the voice. Because I thought the voice work was hilarious, man. I am like, and it was you and I as being Simpsons fans and other cartoon fans, like I am a straight sucker for just a hilarious voice like that. Yeah, uh, they, they do a lot of the voices most of the time, but they don't do like Brock, they don't do Dr. Venture, and they don't do uh, Dean Venture, but they do quite a lot of the villains and heroes and everybody. So they're usually yeah. featured as doing like, you know, five or six voices per episode. And are they the main writers for the series in general too? That's what's crazy. They are the only writers. And so it, like they don't have Holy writers. Holy crap. Like that's one of the reasons why, it, okay. it's, you know, the show, awesome. the show started in 2004 and was canceled in 2020, but there's only seven seasons because it's just these two guys writing every episode. That's a, that's awesome, man. That actually makes me respect the overall talent and craft of it more. I, I never knew that at all. That, that's really cool. I like yeah, that. It's, these guys really know what they want to take the show into as far as the right direction. And so they have like their own voice. It's really cool come back from credits and we see of course uh, 21 and 24 trying to organize the aftermath of the cocoon's destruction and the last season's ending the cocoon was bombarded by like these flying helicopters with missiles and guns and it's been destroyed and so uh they're trying to decide who's going to be in charge but of course uh 
Dr. Girlfriend's murderous moppets. Uh, they were part of her, uh, we see later on when she's uh, Lady O'Pair, when she was like trying to fight as a single supervillain and like she's mm-hmm. going back, she's going back to the guild to be a number two now because she failed as a single arch. One of the reasons was uh, I had a hard time controlling my murderous moppets. That's these two guys. <laughs> <laughs> nice dude uh, well, you always crushed it with the voices dude that's that's pretty spot on oh thank Remember, you i used to think i did a decent like mr burns impression and then i was like met you and i was like that son of a bitch who's that goat legged fellow i like the crib he's a partner <laughs> sir you're 11 o'clock and you crush all those harry shearer voices too man yeah I, he's the he's the one simpsons guy whose voices i can really do oh uh, it's i mean you're just you're right on that level dude you know you're your Skinners and your uh, your Smitherses and your what have yous. Well, thank you. But yeah, so uh, Tim, Tom, and Kevin, the two Moppets, are kind of showing that they are the ones who are in charge because they were Dr. Girlfriend's number twos, and there's not a single uh, henchman that's probably above number 18, to which I love number 24 is like, our numbers are our rank. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was good. We each got three feet and 100 pounds on you. And then, of course, the Moppets show how murderous they truly are and kick all the henchmen in the dick, which is pretty great. Yeah, but before that, I actually like, noted it because it, it was the first thing in the episode that actually made me laugh out loud. It's like, flicks the cigarette directly <laughs> into his eyeball in the little eyeball hole. I mean, it was just like, oh my god, that's hilarious. It makes me think of uh, uh, unusual, like, not unusual, the usual suspects. Uh, we're meeting uh, Redfoot, and he's like, "You know what, man? Go fuck off!" Oh, Licks dude, a cigarette right in yes, Stephen oh, Baldwin's eyeball. Oh, that's so perfect! Oh <laughs> my god, dude, yes, dude, throwback to that movie, unbelievable. It's like it's like Gene Carlo Esposito is in that as well, and that's one of the yeah, first there's... things I knew him from. And then he's just he's blown up. I think so mind. too. Me too. I just, uh, love him, and I've gone back and seen him and stuff before, like a uh, Maximum Overdrive. He hasn't. He's <laughs> really under max trucks. <laughs> He's in maximum overdrive. He's like a kid who's like playing a video game at the truck stop, and then the video game machine like kills him. <laughs> but it's it's a young like twenty something Giancarlo Esposito, and he, I don't think he okay. has any lines. I think he just gets killed. <laughs> it's like it's like oh, I don't know. Wasn't there a Simpsons there where they were talking like making fun of Stephen King? Like the monster is I, I oh, don't know a he, lamp. Yeah, or he grabs a lamp. Ah, <laughs> it's like, ah. Dude, I used to just think that guy was a total hack because he wrote so many books and I just like could I was like, dude, like to me, like horror stories are never that impressive. You're like, it's not hard to think of something scary to kill somebody. Honestly, like most things that would kill you are probably scary in a way. Right. But um, somebody made me read The Dark Tower and I read that entire series and like that's still to this day. It's all only Stephen King I've ever read. But I love the dark tower series man did you ever read that or other stephen king i've never read any stephen king and i i was intrigued oh, wow. to try and read like it when it too was happening but i was like that book's so fucking long there's no way i, Dude, I know it. like people when i knew like they were like in middle school or grade school like growing up and they said they read it i was like for one thing i wouldn't want i just well i guess the one thing is my whole statement on it like read a thousand pages of like a demon clown that kills people yeah hard no no, Hard no. no. I, I already was having nightmares about a clown killing me. Yeah, there you go. I, 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 sleep. Clown will eat me. I don't know if I've ever told this. It was a, a, a recurring dream I had at least twice where like I was uh, sitting on like a park bench and I could see other people sitting on benches further down and this clown would come up to each person and he would put a clothespin on their nose and then like make faces and they would start laughing until they would die. And then like he came up to me and like put a close on me and like basically uh you know was like making goofy faces but like scary faces too until i would then laugh so hard i would die and like of course i would wake up and i imagine it was just like you know my nose was plugged up or something in my dream or something but i had the same dream twice so it was some weird like clown trying to kill me dream i i it was horrifying can't sleep clown will eat me can't sleep clown will eat me <laughs> good lord that, wow how old were you when that happened that was a pretty vivid retelling of it like uh, i wish i remembered my dreams more i think it's just because it was that terrifying I, I must have been like you know 10 at the most okay fair enough damn yeah. dude yeah it was, that, it was, is a, that is a seriously creepy dream i i would have some intense dreams i had, I had a lot of nightmares as a kid that one stuck in my brain though because it was really scary and i had it twice the the moppets kick the henchman's ass. We see now that uh, yeah. Doctor Girlfriend, cigarette in the eye. Yeah, Doctor Girlfriend and the Monarch are being interrogated by the Council of Thirteen about the uh, Phantom Limb's betrayal of the Guild. 
And uh, Dr. Girlfriend starts by saying how Phantom Limb has ruined her life. She ruined my, he ruined my wedding. He ruined my life. He did all these things. And they're like, well, as far as we know, he actually started your life in our, you know, in our good graces. So let's show a little flashback of uh, Sheila is her name, Dr. Girlfriend, uh, having a picnic with Phantom Limb where he shows that he has these invisible limbs and uh, he wants to introduce <laughs> her to evil. You know. what, what do you know of evil? What, you eviled your legs away? <laughs> yeah, dude, that, 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 that particular line, man, that was super funny. Because at the same time, the way he's saying it is like, like implying that like he has no legs that you can see because of evil. You're like, what? Hilarious like moment of like being in the audience there, Dr. Girlfriend. He starts like, you know, standing up and taking his pants down. She's like, oh, geez, the French was impressive, but please buy a girl dinner first. <laughs> So that was the first question I had almost immediately. Like, is that just purely just for comedic value? Or is there any, like, what the hell is with Dr. Girlfriend sounding like fucking Carl from Aqua Teen? You know, like, so yeah, like, it, maybe not, maybe not quite as Jersey as Carl. But. <laughs> she's a little more Boston. Uh, but no, um, it is just a running gag that she's got a deep voice. And like, they keep trying to imply like, you know, Brock always suspects that she was once a man. Uh, anytime like, he's talking yeah. to someone who's had sex with her, he's like, so, uh, you know, does she have scars like around her tits or on her belly button? Like they can put them in there, there sometimes. And uh, everyone's like, no, 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 she's a woman. She's a woman. And we find out, I think finally in this season, the reason why she's got a deep voice is that she's a secret smoker and has been for some time. Oh my the, 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 the monarch even says, you know, when did you start smoking? Uh, when Marky Mark had a funky bunch. Jeez. <laughs> uh, it's like um, Royal Tenenbaums. Like they're like, oh. How long have you been a smoker? She's like <laughs> 25 years. <laughs> yeah, some, something like that, exactly. And she just had all those like, elaborate hiding places for her cigarettes and everything. Oh, man. I'd love to see that movie again. Probably it's got to be my favorite Wes Anderson movie. You want to talk some jive, Justin? I'll talk some jive. <laughs> I'll talk some jive like you never heard. Just hang loose, blood. She's going to catch you by the rebound with the medicine. The Council of Thirteen says that, you know, uh, Sheila was easily seduced by Phantom Limb, and the monarch's like, yeah, 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 I know she was with Phantom Limb before. I know her history. And like, well, does, uh, they say, well, does she know your history with Phantom Limb? And he kind of, kind of scoffs it off like, uh, no, we don't need to talk about how I <laughs> worked for him. Don't, don't bother with that. And then uh, we also then get a quick video showing that Sheila was, uh, for a while, trying to do her own thing as Lady Au as we said, having a hard time controlling her murderous moppets. Uh, we see Watch and Ward, their characters we've, we've met before. They just talk like this all the time. Uh, the, the two creators, so this is them doing their version of, oh, who's the bad guy from Transformers? <laughs> oh, Skeletor. No, it's Transformers. Uh, Skeletor Megatron, my Megatron. bad. Yeah, yeah. It's, 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 it's <laughs> One them. of those 80s cartoon properties. It's them my trying man. to do Megatron, is, what, is their kind of Watch and Okay. Ward. Yeah, there you go. Right on. Well... Yeah, Skeletor's voice is a little different. Never mind. He-Man! <laughs> there, there you go. Yeah! Yeah, all right, right on. Because I know I just think of them, it makes me think of Robot Chicken more than anything. But <laughs> Underrated show, in my opinion. I think Robot Chicken is uh, some pretty weird and dark shit. They keep trying to sexualize her with the... <laughs> They want to give her, you know, Lady Ocelot. We'll let a mutant ocelot bite you, and you can wear this awesome costume. Uh, the, the the sexy mink costume uh, also mink mink the lovely which I from the look of it was like this is a thing I'm like Corella Deville it must be because she was a, a villain as well you know the Dude. boiling vat of minks like like hopped up with gamma rays or something like that it's like oh god I don't even think it was just you just get into a vat of boiling mink carcasses and like it'll scald you and then you have a fur coat too who knows. Fantastic. And then lastly, uh, you could be second in command to Betty Rage, which is just Betty Page. As they're trying to show her these new outfits, Phantom Limb comes in and says, no, she's going to be my number two. Shadowman 9, come and prepare Dr. Girlfriend. And we see that the monarch was Shadowman 9. I'm number nine? I thought I was number Shadow Guy number six. <laughs> of course, Shadowman 9 uh, can't stop staring at Sheila. And uh, during the interrogation with the Council of Thirteen, after viewing this video, she's like, wait a second, was that the monarch? Was he a henchman for Phantom Limb? Silence! <laughs> oh, he's just trying to sound intimidating. Yeah. I was just trying dude. to sound intimidating. Silence! Silence! Yeah, okay, dude. you need to do that when she's talking. <laughs> dude, that was, that was hilarious, man. Like, I, 
That was actually probably one of my favorite things about the episode in general. It was just like the hilarious, like back and forth between the council. Like that was, I don't know. I just love that, man. They kind of, uh, they're a bit wackier, but just the whole vibe of the council kind of reminded me of uh, Metalocalypse. So they, they had that like nebulous council that was always watching Death Clock with like Mark Hamill being, you know, wonderful Mark Hamill. And see, that's the show, like, obviously you've seen, and I've only seen, like, maybe an episode, but I've been told, check out Metalocalypse, and I just, I haven't, see? it never yeah. really grabbed me, but I'll have to give it another try. See, everybody has those shows, man. Everybody has those friends that are like, oh, you're required to have seen shows X, Y, and Z, and, like, yeah, everybody's got their collection, so. But I highly recommend it. I'm another one. I'll try and go through quickly the, the Council of Thirteen. We have uh, Vendetta. Okay who has like the kind of uh, antennas come out of his head. We have the wild fop who has like the kind of tricorner hat with a feather. Uh, we have red mantle uh, who has kind of like a, a little point on his head. Boggles the clown, Dr. Z Monsignor, who's uh, kind of like, um, who was that character on Silent life? Who was like the, he was a priest. He came on in the early days of Silent life. He kind of talked like this. He, hey, cool, man. Like, I, I don't know. It was some, he was a priest? Huh. He was like a priest character. He's supposed to be a play on that guy. Don Hell, Dragoon, Steppenwolf, a half-jackal, Mommy Longlegs, and some armored bug guy who they didn't actually give a name to, it says. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, that's the Council of the Thirteen. And yeah, uh, again, like we actually get to meet quite a few of these characters and see what they look like years later. Okay, that was actually going to be my next question. I was like, are they always just like the shadow figures? Like, I just kind of figured like their appearance was just made to be like, what would they even look like? They're just like these weird shapes and whatnot. Yeah, for several seasons, we don't know who they are, but eventually they uh-huh. get revealed. Here the council points out that uh, they know that the monarch first tried arching Dr. Venture in college. We don't actually have footage of your days in college. Oh, you mean you don't have video of me pounding it out to Marky Post? I just love that arching. I just think that's funny. Just like, oh, you're, you're arching. You know, you're, you're arch nemesis sing. You know, like it's such a, such a common activity. You know, you got to have a short form for it. Mm-hmm. Arching. Um, and we had learned in a previous season, uh, we had met this character, Baron Underbite, who's got this big metal jaw. And uh, he holds <laughs> Dr. Venture responsible for blowing his jaw off during a chemistry class. He's like, you know, one must always look out for their lab partner. Rusty Venture did not look out for me. And uh, we see that it was not Rusty's fault at all. It was the monarch trying to kill Rusty, but instead it blew off Baron's face and Rusty got the credit for it. Sounded more like radioactive, man. <laughs> but, you know, God, wow, barbed wire. <laughs> ah, what? What? No, I was like, I always said radioactive man because my brain did not come up with oh, what, what was yes. like Baron what, uh, Wolfcastle. What the hell was his Ra- name? Ra- Rainier Wolfcastle. Rainier <laughs> Wolfcastle. That's right. Just show them watch The Simpsons in way too long, man. Hey, McBain, I'm a big fan, but your last movie really sucked. I know there were script problems from day one. <laughs> yeah, magic ticket my ass, McBain. Did you ever notice that men always leave the toilet seat up? That's the joke. That really sucked. (laughs) (laughs) It's just me in front of a brick wall for an hour and a half. It cost $80 million. (laughs) All time Simpsons episode right there. The critic episode. Oh, yeah. Where's my Emmy? (laughs) Thank you. Upon closer inspection, these are loafers. Uh, but yeah, uh, I love that reference to uh, Last Action Hero because that was truly, I think, the movie where I realized, oh, movies can be bad. It was, a, and I've, I've seen it since as an adult, and I kind of like it now. It is, it's very meta and kind of fun because it pokes fun of all those genre stuff. But as a kid, I was like, I don't like this kid. I don't get what's happening with this movie. I don't think this movie's very good. I remember seeing it early on when it came out and I never saw it again. And I remembered not liking it at all when I was younger. And then it was later on, people were like, oh, it was kind of like meta or what have you. I was like, really? Just seemed like a terrible movie to me. I just remember vaguely the villain had like a fireman's coat and an ax or something. I don't even remember. I remember like almost nothing about Last Action Hero. Uh, and I was an Arnold super fan. I I watched like a billion Arnold movies. You know, I was just talking to someone the other day about how like Total Recall is one of my is probably my favorite Arnold movie. I love Total Recall. Wow, really? That one of all of all the Arnold movies, you're gonna go with Total Recall. I mean, two I love, weeks, Justin. 
Well, two it, it, weeks. Part of it is because uh, it's all Rob Bottin's practical effects stuff, and I just love Rob Bottin. Oh, that oh, it looks so gross though. Like, he pulled the thing out of his nose, and then when they're all like, ah, ah, and the eyeballs are <laughs> popping out because they're in Mars. Oh, it's so great. Weird. It's so gruesome. It's the best. This, the stripper with the three tits. That's, you know, just uh, that's yeah. a thing that people needed to see, apparently. My, my boy had to sculpt him. He made him. He made him <laughs> that's right. <laughs> perfect triple titties ever. All right. Sweet job for that guy. All right. Fair enough. Um, but man, like over like Predator or Commando or like really like, Terminator 2 even? Like, come on, Terminator uh, yeah, 2. No, Terminator 2. That's, that's pretty. Yeah, I, that's true. That's true. And even True Lies is great. That's my that's my dad's favorite it's, movie. It's True, True Lies. Lies is fantastic. I think that's maybe an underrated, honorable movie in my opinion. True it's, Lies, I liked a lot. It's an underrated Cameron movie too. Like people don't talk about that one. It's really good. That was. I mean, that was pretty shortly before I stopped caring about him entirely when he made Titanic. And then, you know, now he's making the 15 Avatar sequels that literally no one asked for. Yeah, I mean, Avatar was great when it came out, but like, it's been too long. I don't care about Avatar anymore. I've never, I've no, saw, dude, I saw it in theaters, and I haven't seen it since. <laughs> all anyone cared about Avatar was just they they did legit have awesome 3D effects. Like, I will from a from a purely like technical visual standpoint. Like, if anyone says that like watching Avatar in 3D when it first came out didn't blow their minds, they're full of shit. You know, like oh, going back to alive. Usual Suspects. Anyone's like, oh yeah, I figured out usual suspects in like the first five minutes. Like, get the fuck out of here. Like, who are no. you trying to impress? Like, go get out of here. As far as that seeing usual suspects and bringing that back up again, I remember seeing that on uh, it was a New Year's Eve going into the year 2000 with the boys' swim team. We all stayed over at one guy's house for the night, and that's the movie we watched because. Uh, one of the guys on the team was like, have you guys seen this? And no one else had besides him. Oh, he's man. He's like, good, dude, good we're, we're going to get this. You guys get your minds blown. And we, at the end, we're all nice. like, we're all jumping up and down like, what the fuck? Dude, that fucking, he straightens out his limp. You're like, oh, shit. You know, he's, he's like, um, what was it? Kobayashi, I think, was on the bottom of the mug. Yeah. You know, and like, oh, my God, man. That's like, that still has to be one of my favorite endings of a movie of all time like that that's got to be and not just like oh because it's a twist just in general like what a what a fucking ending man that was just so awesome he's you see all the things like oh like oh like orca fat and it says like something about like orca and you know all the different things all the different names were all on the board behind him it's like yeah exactly exactly quartet in skokie illinois yes 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 oh my goodness after we see that after college where he monarch says you know rusty had leave because his dad died shortly after the explosion he then quickly also left school and then began to try and arch dr venture at his home this is the first time he put on the monarch costume and made his own kind of monarch mobile i like that he has to uh pump the monarch (laughs) wings of the car with his own hand (laughs) they're not automated i love that detail which is what I'm assuming when he gets out of it, and he's, he's trying to threaten everyone. He's out of breath, and then <laughs> he gets his... screaming the whole time. He's driving around the house. He's just... <laughs> <laughs> oh, I that's probably true as well. I just assumed it was because of his sick technology with the hand pumped wings before he got his ass kicked by the army of ex Navy SEAL cyborg ninja witches of one. Yeah, uh, that was Myra. We met her a few episodes ago. She uh, came okay. back. Uh, she obsessed with rusty after they had sex he fired her and then she continues to come back year after year and try to like kidnap the boys or take take rusty with her and every year brock has to Ah. (laughs) fair enough all right all right um and then uh monarch says something quickly too about like you know rusty's dad died by the way who killed him um that's uh you know dr jonas senior and uh the person who cuts uh the monarch office is well that doesn't matter we were doing this is vendata and seasons later it's heavily implied that vendata is the one who killed jonas venture senior whether or not they had that in mind when they had him cut him off who knows but that was kind of a neat thing of like oh all right he's like don't worry about that don't don't bring that up (laughs) (laughs) all right vendata so yeah, the councilman informed the monarch that he started arching they know that he started arching dr venture without a guild license uh, because uh, he, they were getting, you know, complaint letters from Rusty, while at the same time the monarch was already arching for not only Phantom Limb but uh, Sea Enemy, Helicoptero, yeah. 
and Joseph and his amazing Technicolor nightmare coat. Yeah, those guys are awesome. I've never seen that Joseph Technicolor dream coat music. No, I, I I was like, that's a that's a reference that exists. It sure is. That's about all I got on that. But I remember when I was like 12 or 13, I, I took dance classes and a lot of the girls in the dance classes, of course, loved musicals. And at that time, that show toured in Milwaukee with Donny Osmond. And I just remember one of the okay. girls being like, oh, my God, it was in the 13th row. I could see Donnie's sweat in his brow. And I was like, yeah, you're a horny 14-year-old girl who wants a grown man to do something with her with his sweat. <laughs> yeah. We were talking about Giancarlo Esposito and other roles before. And it's like he's like, oh, Donnie Osmond. Did you ever see uh, Nothing to Lose with um, Tim Robbins and Martin Lawrence? The oh, classic buddy situation. Yeah, years ago. It's a pretty good movie. I just remember it being good. I don't remember that John Carlos in that. Is he? Yeah, he was um him and John C. McGinley were the two like remember like if you remember that movie, like they kinda got like people thought they were these actual bandits that actually really did exist. And the ones that actually did exist were John C. McGinley and Giancarlo Esposito. That's awesome. As, I love uh, John C. McGinley. He's always Yeah, dude. Another highly underrated man. Like he's, I can't think of anything he was on that he wasn't awesome. I mean, I guess he kind of does the same thing. He's just kind of a dick usually. But he does it really well. So like, yeah, you can't hold it against him for being typecast and something he does well. But I was, that movie just came up in conversation the other day randomly for whatever reason. But um, yeah, he's been in a bunch of good stuff, man. Like he was one of the bobs in Office Space. Like mm-hmm. that was always a hilarious role for him, man. <laughs> Now, I mean, you got to be the biggest Michael Bolton fan because, I mean, you're yeah. named after him, right? <laughs> yeah, some, some of his songs pretty good. Like, <laughs> oh, God, that, that movie had no right to be as good as it was, man. We see quickly at the Cocoon 21 and 24 find the monarch's old monarch mobile and like, why are we not driving around in this old car? This thing's awesome. And then we also find uh, 24's destroyed blue Nissan stanza. Oh, no, Doug's going to kill me. Who's Doug? My dad. Never finished paying him for that. Poor henchman. And that's when uh, the, the Moppets come and kind of yell at them. And then 24 and 21 decide to call Brock Samson to see if uh, he can come and take care of the Moppets so they don't have to get yelled at anymore. We see yeah, where we see his, his oh. arm. Yeah, we see that's his about, wrist. That's about it. Going off. Yeah, we, we barely, barely see Brock in this episode. He doesn't, he doesn't, Sucks, man. We know he, he was the one... He was like the one character that people just like, oh my God, Brock Samson's like the best thing ever. And uh, that's a bummer, but maybe it'll get me coming back, Justin. Maybe it'll yeah. just get its hooks in me. Yeah, when I know it's coming up, I'll try and bring you back for when we learned about his backstory. Yeah. All right. That sounds good. Uh, the monarch says he wants to see the footage of the first night that he betted Dr. Girlfriend, as there's evidence in that night that shows that he was not arching, you know, Dr. Venture. Uh, you know, not putting on his monarch uniform purely to arch Dr. Venture. He had other reasons why he would do that. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And because, you know, he probably wanted them to uh, witness his sexual prowess as he uh, calls out. Uh, but yes, yeah, so we see that he's in like a locker room of phantom limbs. Uh, 24, uh, who arches for him, also used to be 24 for the monarch as Shadowman 24. And uh, he's like, uh, monarch's explaining how he's going to join the guild party and get a, a chance to seduce Dr. Girlfriend because while, you know, all the henchmen are off limits to Dr. Girlfriend, the mighty monarch is not. He asks henchman 24 can wear his Shadowman nine uniform to uh, show that he has like an alibi. Like it, it won't look like I'm not there and I'm doing something right. else because you'll be me. Wouldn't, wouldn't that work? And he's like, sure, I'll do it. Uh, but what are you going to do for me? He's like, well, when I get out of here and make my own arch enemy kind of thing, I'll bring you along. You'll be my number two. Instead of holding a tray of mini tacos or what have yeah. you, as he was supposed to do. Dr. Girlfriend says, let's see the rest of that evening. because." And they're like, well, that gets a little sexy. Should we not show that part? She's like, yeah, skip over that. We'll, we'll just show the rest of it, though. And then we get this footage of them at this big party. And I made a note that there's all kinds of characters that we have met before and will meet again, like Curse and Augustus St. Cloud. Augustus St. Cloud. Uh, he's a very fun little guy. Truckulies, or whatever the hell's name was. Yeah, he had been referred to before in a previous episode. Uh, Dr. Cohen was like hot wiring a car, and someone was like, How do you know how to do that? I used to art, I used to be a second in command at Truckulies. Gotcha. Okay. He was also in the last episode at their wedding uh, as a wedding guest. During this conversation, too, the monarch's telling a story about how he had a fight with Captain Sunshine, and he's like, You know, I noticed his gun had a, its safety on, and he fired it at me, and I you know, uh, didn't take any damage. So I told them I was invulnerable and he still thinks I am to this day. 
I brought that up because it comes back again in a later season where we meet Captain Sunshine and Captain Sunshine, yes, still thinks that the monarch is invulnerable to any kind of power attacks. <laughs> nice. Nice. Nice continuity too. That's funny. Quickly then the monarch seduces Dr. Girlfriend. They go have sex in his car. And then afterwards they start kind of collaborating on his image. She's like, you know, you know, monarch has two meanings. It's not just the butterfly, but there's a whole like, you know, you know, royalty aspect to it. You could wear a crown and everything. Rather than having a cape, I could make you some real butterfly wings that you could use to fly with. And they're getting all kind of excited. It was a really kind of cool thing to learn that she's the one who came up with the, you know, the monarch aspect of him, you know, being a king and that she invented his flying wings, which we have only just last episode again learned actually work. <laughs> Pretty hilarious. That, like that's, he had no other, he had no thought of that himself. It's just like, I just, I guess what he's, I like butterflies, I guess I'm just the monarch. Like well, that, that was pretty hilarious. And in the first episode, we learn his kind of backstory that as a child, he and his parents were in a private jet. Their jet crashed. His parents died. And that he lived in the woods for several weeks among monarch butterflies. And that, like, that's why he's, that's why he's obsessed with them. And then, like, you know, oh, within a short okay. amount of time, a park ranger found him. And he went home to uh, gather his parents' massive inheritance because they were very wealthy. And so that's why he uh. has the means to, like have his flying cocoon and have all his henchmen that he's got this huge inheritance he got when he was a kid. Sure. Uh, that's right. He made some comment about like needing like trust, some of his trust fund to come out of escrow or something like that. So yeah. there you go. All right. Okay. Monarch's about to tell her that he's actually Shadowman number nine and takes off his helmet and reveals his giant eyebrows. And she's like, wow, <laughs> I guess we can deal with those. Cause my God, <laughs> you're like, Oh, that's like, Oh, that wasn't the secret. Like, Oh God, I thought, <laughs> The mask wasn't just for an aesthetic. Oh, God. They, they, they look like that sproing sound effect when they came out. I was like, ah, mm-hmm. excellent. But of course, Phantom Limb interrupts them. And uh, Sheila says, I'm, I'm leaving you. I'm going to be going to go and be this guy's number two. And of course, as he's about to kill the monarch, the Council of Thirteen are now in the balcony. Like, anything wrong down there? Oh, no. I was just saying goodbye to our guests, wasn't I? Because <laughs> he can't lose face in front of the council. Who are conveniently shrouded at the time. Yes, of course. We still don't see who they are. And he quickly asks now, who the hell are you? I'm the mighty uh, man, Otor. Yes. <laughs> he doesn't want to reveal who he is before he's even become a true villain. He's like, I can't give him my name now. Like, I'm going to become that guy eventually. Well, you're now on the Phantom's shit list, man, Otor. And then uh, quickly, 24 comes running over like, hey, can I come join you guys? And Sheila says, uh, that's number nine. He's always giving me the starry eyes. Leave that guy yeah, alone. He's a fucking creep. That was, a, that was hilarious, man. A little switcheroo. But I, I, yeah, it's a great thing. Yeah, that she always found number nine to be a creep. Yep, not knowing she just exactly. a creep. <laughs> so then Dr. Girlfriend makes her case that Phantom Limb was fully aware that the monarch used to be his henchman and that he was secretly hiding the monarch's unlicensed arching from the guild in order to like destroy him later on. And that it's, the monarch is only guilty of ignorance, not guilty of you know, arching without licensors. He just didn't even know those things existed. He's, he just was ignorant to the fact that he had to even sign up first. They agree. They're like, you know what? That's a good point. Default, man. The two finest words in the English language. Mm-hmm. Default. <laughs> so the, the walls come up and the two are reunited. We quickly see the sovereign on a screen in which uh, Demona goes, it's David Bowie, which we discovered last episode. We'd met the sovereign in this screen form before. And then uh, at their wedding, David Bowie shows up to give away Dr. Girlfriend. And then in the end of the episode, it's revealed that David Bowie is the sovereign and that he is a shapeshifter and can take on many forms. What? I, like, I, just, I, I thought that I, well, clearly, I, well, I, I thought I was just missing something, but it sounds like I'm actually missing very many things because you're, you're talking to on one of the episodes before, but like, oh, there's always a David Bowie reference or others. So I was just like, did they just name drop him for the sake that they can say if there was a reference here i was like what the hell's going on oh and then they have other things too but yeah like uh basically they wanted to like make him a character on the show and so they had this sovereign character like oh wouldn't it be cool if the head of the guild of calamitous intent was bowie and then because bowie like you know throughout his career would like change his look change his music style have a a new a new look every year he is a chameleon he is a shapeshifter so let's make him a literal shapeshifter. <laughs> okay, <laughs> fair enough. But, all right, all right. You had mentioned uh, Labyrinth before. There was a gag at the end of last episode where he like turns into a bird and flies away. And then one of the boys witnesses this and goes, oh my gosh, 
the guy from Labyrinth just turned into a bird. (laughs) (laughs) That is. That is. Quickly, uh, you know, the council has agreed that they, uh, you know, can be together. And we get this kind of cool montage quickly of, uh, oh, and quickly at the same time, Brock has arrived at the cocoon and he's talking to the Moppets while 21 and 24 nervously watch from a distance. Like, you know, what are they talking about? Why isn't he kicking their asses? And then uh, suddenly Tim Tom appears behind them and asks, you know, were you the ones who called for help? Well, why don't you call some more of your friends to give us a hand? And we get this great montage of all these guild people coming to help rebuild the cocoon. At the same time, we see the monarch and Dr. Girlfriend are stripped to their underwear blindfolded and had their hands bound together with a snake as the uh, song uh, the bringer uh, Jupiter the bringer of jollity from the symphony the planets by Gustav Holst plays I only mentioned this because I was curious what song it was and they had actually used uh, previously from that same symphony the song Mars bringer of war in another episode and the reason why they used that was because it was featured in a David Bowie movie. <laughs> ah, okay, gotcha. Yeah, damn, your your Bowie knowledge goes deeper than mine, I'm afraid. I'm sure my, my wife would probably be mad at me if I don't know those things. She's yeah, obsessed I, with the Bowie. I, did you go to that David Bowie experience in Chicago a couple years ago when it was here? I don't think so. I mean, I know I know I did go to like um a couple of like more like rock based um exhibits at like the I think it was the Museum of Modern Art in mm-hmm. Chicago. Yeah, this, like, was well, there, this was there as well. I actually went with Danielle because we were yeah. both Bowie fans. But yeah, um, it was a really cool experience. And uh, they had this room. It was just lined with like all of his album covers and like all of his albums. And I was like, wow, there are so many albums of his I've never even listened to, let alone heard of. Dang. Because yeah, I had a kind of similar um, experience to that with Bob Dylan not that long ago. I was just like, it's like there are so many Bob Dylan albums that exist. And like, I just so many i haven't even listened to like i just decided to um like the album that um it's called new morning it's the one that has the man in me the song is in the big lebowski yeah I know and it's song. like i just like i always loved that song from that movie from back when and it just never i was like eh, i'll just kind of like you know like just pick one just pick something to check out and now that's like one of my favorite albums from bob dylan i, I listen to it like at least a couple times a week like all last summer man i was like obsessed with it that's cool. Uh, was that during like his, uh, w- when was that in his career? Was that like, during it was like, I want to say it was roughly maybe like, it was like the early seventies kind of in that, in that range. I want to say it might've been like 1971 kind of around then cool. early, early seventies, Bob Dylan. You just reminded me, I have that big Lebowski soundtrack and I've not listened to it in a while. That's a really good soundtrack. Yeah. Not bad. Not, not bad at all. It's like, it's got that, the weird Kenny Rogers song on there too. It's like to just, just checked in, see what condition just condition is in. in to see what condition my condition was in. We also see that the sovereign is now kind of like binding them together in this ceremony. He says that they've survived their trials of the murderous robots, the literal trial of the monarch. And now they are approved for their application for their duo ship. I now pronounce you villain and villainess. And then I discerned then from this that this is what the Dr. Girlfriend was saying at the beginning of the episode where like we had heard her saying, you know, Sheila, you've been rehearsing this. Monarch, I'm... And then like kind of cut. That was the last line of the episode from like the season finale was like her saying, I'm dot, dot, dot. And then we hear just him say, what? Well, we never learned what she actually said. This was a note from the book I showed you uh, that they, you know, never actually came up with an answer as to what she was going to say for the finale. They had an idea that she would say, I'm pregnant. And they even had done some artwork to like show her being pregnant, maybe possibly for this season. But uh, Doc Hammer was like, you know what? I'm, I'm really against the idea of that because if we have her have a kid, then we're like having to deal with them. Like, you know, are they going to be good parents or bad parents? And that's kind of not where we want the show to go. We want to focus on them already being like, you know, good or bad at their jobs. Like let's focus on what we were doing and not throw in the aspect of them having a kid. So they just, they knew that in the bud real quick. But that was the one idea of like, well, let's have her say she's pregnant. And we don't know if it's the monarchs or doctor or phantom limbs. And wouldn't that be cool? But little, uh, they agreed it was just kind of a bad idea. Yeah. I mean, that's like classic sitcom trash kind of decision making anyway. It's just like, oh, we don't know what to do. Let's add a kid or yeah, something, like, you know, like step by step season four. Uh, she has a kid. And then by the next season, the kid's a three year old. <laughs> step by step. Oh, my God. Wow. This is one of the instances where I remember they just they had another kid at some random. Oh yeah, (laughs) 
I, I've probably seen a far more episodes of that show than I'd ever care to admit. But like those, I don't know, back like TGIF, man. You watched all kinds of horrible sitcoms on TV because you were a kid and what the hell else were you doing? When when they all became available on Hulu, like, you know, in the last like two years, we tried watching some step-by-step and some Family Matters. And I used to love Family Matters and like it's it still has some funny jokes sometimes, but they relied so heavily on just him doing that Steve Urkel thing for all the laughs so often. Yeah. I was like classic, just, uh, it's like, uh, say the line, Bart. <laughs> I didn't, I do, didn't it. do it. <laughs> no, no, no. Only I may dance. Oh God. Yes. Do that. Cause wasn't that one. Um, that was like from the era when he was writing on the show. Right. I think there was maybe like, I feel like, yeah, he was, his, his late night show was maybe started around like 94. Ish. Yeah, and I think three ninety four. Like, and I know he'd been writing previous to that. I don't know if he was still writing yeah. on his own show, but it was cool that they brought him back. I feel like he was still. It might have been like season four or something. I think the Duff Gardens season. Like, was he the primary writer on Duff Gardens? Like, I I feel like he was, and I know he was the primary writer uh, when he goes back to college. Like that. That's the one I remember is playing up like Conan for sure. And I know he also was one of the primary writers for the monorail episode because they did some big special yes. and he sang the song because that was a song he wrote. <laughs> Dude, that, um, I just saw, I don't know if there was an article written about that episode or something, but it's something about how like when the monorail one was like made, they really had to kind of push for it from a creative standpoint. Cause like, that was, I guess like one of the first episodes that really kind of like shaped the way the show was going to be for a while after that point that they, it was just like, really weird like referential and just like really just fucking crazy like more so than it had been to the at that point and i was like i don't know if i like way back when when i watched it when it was new like i don't remember watching the episode and having that feeling like whoa simpsons is going in strange new territory like no, i never remembered it's, it's feeling just, like, that way it was just, a great, it was just if it was an evolution it was a seamless evolution yeah, like it just I, for some reason like that episode. It'd actually be interesting to go back to like seasons four and five and kind of like really pay attention. Like, to, was there really a tone shift at that exact episode there? Because I don't know. Apparently, that's what like the writer. That damn, I'll have to find the article, man, and send it to you because it was actually really interesting. They they like fully broke it down and went into it about how this is like totally changed. Well, so it's totally changed, just like ramped up. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I said, uh, my only thought would be that it went from being just like your average kind of sitcommy. Uh, things were like, oh, Bart ruined Thanksgiving. Uh, oh, uh, Lisa wants a pony. To now, there's a monorail, and Homer is the guy who runs it, and Marge has to save the <laughs> day. And like that, I suppose, yeah, it would be a great kind of jump in you know what the show was doing to like let's make it bigger. But then, of course, you go further down the line, it gets too big to where Mo gets plastic surgery and becomes a movie star until the facade falls in his face and he's back to normal. <laughs> That's where the show really started getting like, I don't fucking like this anymore. Well, I mean, it's like, I feel like we're kind of where the Simpsons died, where they just kind of like, oh, we're just going to do all kinds of random stuff. And like, to me, that's where like Family Guy came from. It's like Family Guy kind of rose up from the ashes of where the Simpsons just kind of became meh. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know. Well, I guess I don't need to get into that too much. I mean, dude, those South Park episodes about Family Guy, to me, like... (laughs) skewered and eviscerated that show better than I could ever voice myself, man. Like the fucking manatees pushing the random idea balls around. I was like, Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's a South park still is holds up. So well, I've uh, been watching like the, the quarantine specials they've done and things like that. And the last couple uh, years, do you see where they've become like consistent with continuity where it's not individual episodes. Like it's a whole arc over the seasons. It's certainly different, and it took some getting used to, but I, I do like that they're just trying something new after 20 years. No, I, I appreciate that as well. Um, but, I mean, to be honest, like, I've only watched random episodes, so I haven't been able to, like, really appreciate that over the years. Like, I think I kind of, like, I picked back up watching the show sometime around, with, like, the Warcraft episode, which was mm-hmm. just, like, one of the most amazing South Parks. And then, like, I think it was pretty much from then in the next, like, three years. I want to say that's something, like, give or take seasons 8 through 12, like almost every single episode was like just hysterically funny. That was just like this 
amazing like almost like like south park renaissance man there was like the guitar hero episode in that stretch you know the, the one with like land trilogy i love the imagination yes. land episodes those are so like, no 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 he really went for it there imagination <laughs> imagination <laughs> but i was looked up the uh, conan though on the simpsons man so like he was um yeah, for he did have the writing credits for the monorail as well. So like, I think he, I feel like he must have like overlapped for a couple of years. Then um, for maybe like one or two years, he must have still he just started doing his show and also was still writing for The Simpsons. I think I, I swear that was maybe like give or take nineteen ninety four because I'm sure this is what the people want to hear, Justin. No, but, but at the same time, like the best thing <laughs> that he was like working that hard. My God, I mean he's. Dude, he's amazing. I mean, you just think of all like you, you almost you almost wonder like I mean, not to discredit anything, but the the other writers that worked on the show when he like his first iteration of when he had the late late show with Conan, you know, just all that weird shit that he did. They just did crazy crap like all the time. All those characters. And, oh like, yeah. You just wonder like how much of that was him, you know? Because as you just said, he put in a little work, man. Did a good job. The, the one character that they did for years was that masturbating bear, and it just—it's the yes. silliest. Gag. It's just <laughs> so, stu- it's just, so it's stupid. It's just playing that tune while the bear beats its balls <laughs> and keeps the scientists yep. at bay. Yeah, it's the best. And uh, like Pimpot, I remember it came out every once in a while, and uh, the in the year two thousand, like that. That was a classic Conan bit, man. In the year 2000 with Labama. Oh, yes. Like, in the year 2000. In the year 2000. In the year 2000, Taco Bell will come up with fortune tostados. But unfortunately, every single fortune will be, tomorrow you will have crippling diarrhea. <laughs> I have uh, kudos to you for remembering one specifically. My mind was just like furiously racing. I'm like, oh man, do you remember a single one? No, no that was the, that was the one that was stuck in my brain. <laughs> crippling, <laughs> like you you will be crippled <laughs> after you have this diarrhea. <laughs> uh, I think it was a little bit later, but the Walker Texas Texas Ranger lover also was a, an amazing. Did you ever see any of the Conan episodes where he like? Like this was after like NBC bought a bunch of properties to shows, including Walker Texas Ranger. Not offhand, no. Like he just had to flip a switch and they just show Walker Texas Ranger. Yeah, he just <laughs> he just had this giant a giant lever with a big bright yellow handle, like right next, like prominently, like right next to him where he sat, and he would just like randomly just pull it, and they would just play a Walker Texas Ranger clip, and it's like. Man, that that's a show I would like to go back and watch. Like those clips, like it is absurd. Like I remember, like like there's one where like someone like he's driving down the street in his truck, and someone just whips a, like a rattlesnake into his truck because you know <laughs> that's high because that's a highly likely scenario. It's bit on the neck and just, oh, Walker, Texas Ranger, bit by rattlesnake. <laughs> it cuts back. It's like all right. Apparently, being bit by a rattlesnake just makes you really tired. You know, we learned that today. Uh, like there was just the, the clips themselves were so absurd. He didn't have to do anything else but just play them. There's a great podcast I listen to called uh, the Canon Canon, where they go through all these different Canon films from the Canon Production Group for the '80s, and they did a bunch of Chuck Norris films, and so much so that the guys who host the show have nicknamed Chuck Norris Molasses Two by Four because he's just as dull as a two by four he's just a blunt object to hit against things but he's also he speaks and delivers his performances just so like he's may as well be drowned in molasses so he's molasses two by four <laughs> uh, might as well man i was i've i've never been much of a fan of that dude at all no uh but in listening to that podcast i've gone back and watched some wacky canon films uh, ones that I didn't even know existed because I didn't necessarily follow all their stuff growing up, but I have in the past like 10 years become a big fan of like 70s, 80s, and 60s too, like B movies. And some of the stuff out of the 80s, oh, sure. especially from Canon, are just so fucking crazy. Uh, it's great um, to be introduced to them. Yeah, prior to 1980, like I, mean, I guess I've seen, you know, I've seen things like, I don't know, The Godfather and like, you know, the first Star Wars movie, whatever yeah. that kind of stuff. But like, I am like, completely ignorant of like older movies like pretty much beyond 1980 but i love b movies man like i always love watching stuff like mystery science theater you know so like i 
have a deep appreciation for his cheesy ass shit. I would recommend uh, some decent Roger Corman movies like Bucket of Blood is great. Death Race 2000 is amazing. It's so can I have seen Death Race 2000. That's what was uh, Sly Stallone, right? Yes, yes. And tons yeah, of yeah, yeah. <laughs> Robert, Robert Robert Carradine, I think, as well. Uh, is it Robert or I, David? It's David it's Carradine. David. And who's yeah. Robert then? Are, they, are those different people? They're brothers. Robert Carradine is the oh. is the main nerd from Revenge of the Nerds. The huh, 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 uh, huh. Oh, shit. Wow. <laughs> okay, yeah. yeah. David Carradine, then. The dude who was then in the... Kung Fu and uh, Kill Bill. Yeah, exactly. Which I saw him in person once when I was in, I had a semester abroad in Wales and we were traveling uh, as part of our group uh, during spring break. We went to Ireland. We got to tour Ireland and we happened to be in Dublin and we went to this movie theater one night and we saw on the thing on the facade, it said premiere of Kill Bill 2, you know, happening today. And we're like, Oh great! Well, let's go see Kill Bill Two. It just came out today, and we go in the theater and like, oh no no, like that's that's airing like you know in two hours, and like you you can't buy tickets for that right now. We're like, well, we want to see the movie right now, so I guess we'll see. Well, we'll see Fifty First Dates, Adam Sandler movie. It looks good. Get out of Fifty First Dates and go into the lobby, and suddenly now there's like all kinds of Kill Bill Two posters and like velvet rope, and we're like, wait, when that said Kill Bill premiere outside, did it mean like the Dublin premiere of Kill Bill? And as we're oh, wow. of, as we're saying this. Uh, pulls this black BMW and out steps David Carradine. We're like, holy fucking shit. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, that's pretty awesome, man. But nice. like none, none of us had anything for him to sign. And this is 2004. So we didn't have, you know, cameras on our phones. And so we're sure, like, right. we're, like yeah. we're each other's <laughs> voucher. This happened. We, we saw David Carradine oh, man. right there. <laughs> Damn. Is there uh, anybody else in the movie? Or is it like just him? Just him on that press tour? Yeah, it must have just been. We didn't stick around either. Like we had to get back to like oh, the group because we fair were enough. traveling the next day or something. But yeah, it was just like cool. There's yeah. David Carradine. That's pretty sweet, man. Nice. It's always weird when you see somebody famous. It's just like, oh yeah, that's a real human person that exists, just like you or I, you know. But somehow, like, it's just I don't know. So there's a weird thing of like your your brain is like, that's really them. Like they exist. Like I, I get a similar thing. It's like. When I see a see a band in concert you've never seen before, just like to actually be in like that their presence, like wow, they're 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 really real. Yeah, it's like when uh, I uh, one of the first celebrities I've met was uh, Jack Black, and I got to see a Tenacious D in uh, concert with dude. Peter. all throughout Tenacious Man. D's show. I was trying to get to the front of the stage, and then like they have like you know the show ends and it's like an hour before Weezer goes on. And I was like, okay, I'm tired. I'm gonna stop hanging out in the front here and go hang out by my friends. And they were hanging out by the sound area on the floor behind uh-huh. the crowd and so we're just hanging out there as Weezer starts playing and I just kind of casually look into the sound area and somehow Jack Black had like got himself into the sound area because it was fenced off and he wanted to see the show but you know he won't be bothered by fans so just like right. like look over the wall and there's Jack Black and I just go hey hey man uh, and I because I had seen Heat Vision and Jack a pilot that he'd been in it was written by Dan Harmon like before it was even on what <laughs> Oh, it, it's so my, my my family knew Dan Harmon because my sister went to the same high school as him, and so oh, what for real is Dan? Is he from like Wisconsin then? He grew up in in Brown Deer. I, matter of fact, I saw Dan Harmon do comedy sports. No shit. Uh, yeah, I never knew that man. It was really cool. But we had friends who like were still in touch with him and had gotten a copy of his pilot, and so I had seen this pilot, Heat Vision and Jack, which is on YouTube now, but this is pre YouTube. So I was like oh, it'll be cool if I tell him I've seen this thing. So rather than just be like, hey, Jack, like, good show, I just shouted him, Heat Vision and Jack, dude, dude, I've seen Heat Vision and Jack. And he gives me a look of like, great. And like gets back <laughs> to the show. <laughs> that's, then, that's, once, I, I applaud you for that, though. Sorry, go ahead. But once the song was done, I kind of like, sorry, man, I got excited. Great show, nice to meet you. And I got to shake his hand, and that was it. But like, I, I just, I shouted "Heat Vision" and Jack, and he gave me this look of like, "Great, I'm watching the concert." <laughs> well, just like what well, I was gonna say, like I applaud you for that. Is just to have something like something even decent come up in your head to say, or just something that not only that, but something that they would actually react to. It'd be like, "Who the fuck has seen this pilot? Like, this is that that would be a, okay." To call out something that obscure, he might have thought you were some sort of psycho stalker. I'm not going to lie. Like, that could have been his first thought. That could but very well got, be. But you got a reaction. You didn't just do pure deer in the headlights. Like I, I remember I uh, uh, I saw Bela Fleck play in Madison like a 
bajillion years ago. He played two shows and just I bought tickets for both shows. And like in between the two shows, he just came out from backstage and just people were kind of sitting in their seats and he was just kind of chatting with people, whatever. And I remember like, um, like I went up to, it was like, oh, like it's kind of one of those things, like, oh, you should go talk to him or whatever. It's like, fuck, am I going to say to Bela Fleck? Like, um, <laughs> good job being like, world-class musician right on i just remember, like i shook his hand like not a word came out of my mouth i couldn't even speak like i almost didn't even want to like touch him it was just one of those awkward things um sometimes that can be the better thing to do rather than like saying something embarrassing and being like well i met bela fleck and i said monkey spunk fuck why did I <laughs> fair fair enough yeah thanks yeah could, could have been worse it definitely could have been worse uh, but we should quickly wrap this episode up. We got to just kind of get to oh, the yeah. end of what happened here. So, yeah, we're we're close. Oh no, we're super close. So they had, uh, you know, they've been joined now. They're a duo ship. The cocoon is rebuilt. Yep. Uh, the, some of the henchmen foolishly pour a thing of Gatorade on the two moppets because the two <laughs> moppets then turn around and start stabbing him in the face. <laughs> and I wrote, now we can see why Sheila had a hard time saying they were, you know, hard to control. <laughs> upset them they just stabbed them viciously in the face so yeah i would not want to have to work with those guys clearly murderous moppets definitely it also looked more like a it almost looked more like a vat of toxic waste or something too i guess in the murderous moppets defense which should i defend them i don't know where where am i what's going on most fans i mean i always thought they're kind of funny Uh, i love the idea that they're one of them has a magical kind of fairy name tim tom and the other one's just kevin (laughs) um but That's, that's good man a lot of the fans, because uh, they stick around for the next throughout the next season, pretty much, and uh, a lot of the fans don't like them. I think they're funny, but oh, um, majority of, yeah, of I thought the they fans were kind of funny. Like, are like, get those moppets out of here. But that's, is, is there any like prevailing reason like why they don't like them, or it's just uh, whatever? No, it's just like you know, oh, they're not they're not my favorite. I'd I'd rather focus on twenty one and twenty four. Why are we oh, focusing on these moppets? And we sure. don't even really focus on them. They just like come in once in a while and say a funny line. So I don't know why everyone's up in a bunch about them. Well, that's the fun thing about fandom, right? You know, like whoever uh, sees that intellectual property and the way that they see it is the only way that anyone else should see it. And yeah. Lastly, the sovereign oh. says that to complete their uh, joining, they have to usurp phantom limbs. Uh, uh, you know, home. So they invade. Of course, Phantom Limb, as far as we know, has been missing since last episode. But no one knows where he is. So he kind of just entered the house, and there's no one there to kill. But they say, you know, kill anyone who's around, and no one's there. And then uh, we go to the credits. Post credit scene, we see this big hulking guy come home from a security <laughs> job late at night, and waiting in the dark is Phantom Limb. Uh, he, we see he's got a cane in his left hand, and his hand is now uh mechanical because as we learned he has lost an arm and a leg in the battle of cremation creek and uh he is in the home of apparently manotor uh because as far as he knew this is the guy who stole dr girlfriend away from him you know no one gets off the phantom limbs shit list and manotor and you know the monarch looks so similar too you know it was such a good (laughs) Such a good ruse by the monarch yeah, there. He's, he's got a good, like, 50 years on him. He's an old man. And, and then, like, yeah, 200 uh, pounds. Yeah. But, yeah, he Minotaur kind of goes into his closet to try and find his Minotaur helmet, which, I don't know, does that give him powers? Is that, they never explain it. It just looks like a leather yeah. helmet. But yep. he's like, looking for this, Minotaur! And we <laughs> end, end the scene. Uh, so, yeah, Minotaur is dead. Uh, and then just a few notes from the book that this was the first episode that was recorded in HD and to be featured in a widescreen format. Previous to this, they would have like a widescreen thing for like their post uh, pre-credits scene and post-credits scenes, but they're able to do the entire show now in this format. Yeah, I already mentioned the other ones about how she the line was going to be, I'm pregnant, and that they didn't want that to be the actual answer. And they never actually came up with an actual answer for Monarch, I'm something, something. They never actually came up with what that line could have been because they're like, well, it's not she's pregnant and it really doesn't matter. So let's just not even give it an answer. Uh, But do you have any final questions uh, for the show itself or for me before I let you go, Sam? Um, I feel like I already kind of uh, interjected and asked a bunch of stuff along the way. Um, You know, just main things that were popped up were like just thinking about, you know, first thing was like Dr. Girlfriend's voice, which is like kind of hilarious, but. And yeah, just because so much of it, I'm just like, is this normal? Is this not normal? Like, is this a recurring thing? Has this ever been in there? Um, oh, yeah. There was a, a but, previous uh, line we heard from someone say, uh, do you smoke cigarettes or do you eat them? <laughs> 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 in regards to her voice. 
But yeah, no, I don't know. I guess, uh, I don't know. Maybe I'll actually start watching the show, I guess, which perhaps that uh, could finally happen, I suppose. Definitely I'm interested enough to, uh, to check it out more because I'd like to, like to just you know, catch more things, man. Seems funny. Sure. Plus, hey, we all, we all have more time on our hands these days, right? And uh, as I do recommend to those who are new, newcomers to the show, uh, you can pretty much skip over season one, as the, even the creators have said. They really didn't find their voice until season uh, two, episode one. So if you do want to okay. see anything from ep- season one, I would say start with the season finale, because that will then lead into the story that starts perfect. Start season two. Awesome. I mean, that's, we jumped right into season two when we watched Parks and Rec a couple of years ago. So like people were like, yeah, forget that. So kind of like, I don't know, I'm just talking about Dan Harmon, like another show of actually Community is right there with Venture Brothers, man. Like that was one of those shows that I just never watched until this past year. And it's a much, great show, yeah. People are, you know, I was informed that I was also supposed to have watched Community in the same way that I was supposed to have watched Venture Brothers. Uh, um, that's cool that you had a connection with Dan Harmon, man. I had no idea. That's awesome. He's a fucking weird guy. Yeah, I mean, he's he's a very intelligent and well spoken guy, but he and he can write the hell out of a yeah, TV show. Was, uh, but he's also yeah, a, that, a, bit, a bit eccentric for sure. Right. Well, I just I guess um my my current exposure to him is just the random shit that he posts on Instagram. So I guess that's kind of where my <laughs> where my head is with Dan Harmon. Just like all those weird fucking songs that he puts together and puts out there. Like oh yeah, his little raps are great. Dude, no, they 100% are. And, like, I loved Community. Well, I guess mainly the first three seasons in particular. But well, uh, as most fans agree, the fourth season is not the best. And then, yeah, I honestly, I, I love Community. I still had never even finished season six because it was the one that was, like, on Yahoo. And, yeah, it's available now, but I also just rather rewatch the first, you know, three seasons. Yeah, pretty much once Troy left, you're kind of like, eh, all right. It was just sort of... There were a couple decent Abed episodes after that, but outside of when once Troy leaves, like it kind of was downhill. That's it for this week. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Go Team Venture Pod. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or Google Podcasts for new episodes each Tuesday. And if you like the show, please give us a five star rating and leave a nice review. It's always good to know what you like about the show. Be sure to tune in for next week's episode. The Doctor is Sin, and as always. Go Team Venture!